0: Right. Hello and welcome to the Day One path Podcast, episode 458. I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. Tim Spence is here. Where? There. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, all around you. In How you doing? stereo audio. Stereo. That's all I got. I don't Not have like 5.1 5. 5. audio like surrounds high five sound or anything like that. Yeah. Man, pretty cool, actually. Just a dedicated Atmos system for my voice everywhere I go. That's not necessary.
0: Okay. It's not stereo is enough, <laughs> but I mean, mono mono was enough for for podcasts. Really,
1: weirdly scary. Actually, if you saw like if you're talking to somebody and then just out on the street or whatever, and then they spoke and it sounded like they were all around you. Yeah, like you're just like inside their voice. That'd be weird. Is our voice mono
2: then?
0: It is right. Well, when we speak, it yeah. Like like when I speak directly to you in the same room, yeah, it's mono.
2: I find it interesting that we are used to hearing mono when we talk to other people. But yet, when we have TVs and such, we kind of expect stereo. Well, stereo just means like
1: one side or both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Like when someone speaks, it's in like you could say mono. But when you hear them, it's in stereo because you hear them with both of your ears.
2: But if one of your speakers broke out of the two, you'd still hear it in both, right? Well, if it was mixed for stereo, you would miss certain things. I don't. Oh, is that the difference? Is it like
0: you haven't listened? You don't listen to music too much, but I remember back in the days when people would like share headphones. You put one in your ear, and they they put the other one in their ear. Yeah, you would miss certain things, either lyrics or sound yeah. effects, or sometimes a guitar solo.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was always funny, like listening to uh like having a track that was that was mixed for stereo. Mm. And, you know, like you say you get to the guitar solo or whatever, you you pull out one of your earphones and it's just like you see like the rhythm guitar going <laughs> yeah. like the dum 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 dum, <laughs> dum 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 But don't dum, ever dum, switch dum, it to dum. mono, because you could in the in your settings. Can't be bothered to do that though. Too much effort for too little time. Rim.
0: Alright, uh, Matt's here. Did I say did I say hello to Matt? How you doing, Matt? I'm doing alright,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Alright, we're going to start the show off with the fun facts. Some video game variety fun facts. It's better be fun. We're hey. on number 16 of our Game Informer video game fun facts. This one says, the U.S. Air Force loves PlayStation 3. Now, this one might be a little outdated, but in 2010, the U.S. Air Force created the Condor Cluster, a heterogeneous uh, supercomputer built using the using off-the-shelf commercial components, including over 1,700 PlayStation 3s. This particular system is about half a petaflop or capable of about 500 trillion calculations per second, said Mark Barnell, the director of high-performance computing at the Air Force Research Laboratory. In the current time uh, that we can measure it, it's about the 35th or 36th fastest computer in the world. The Condor cluster costs $2 million to build.
2: What were they trying out for the movie Chappie? Like, what's going on here? I mean, it's a
0: real thing, right? Hooking up a bunch of computers to to, to do some computing power.
2: But a bunch of PS3s? Wouldn't they just use computers that were better than the PS3? Well, they the were PS- just the the goal, I guess, was trying to use off the shelf
0: commercial components, not not building your own stuff.
2: We had more than two hundred fifty six megabytes of RAM back then, though, <laughs> and that's all the PS3 had. Like, <laughs> come on, now.
0: I don't know. Maybe there's just. It was just a fun thing to do. 1,700 PS3s, though. But what do you do with it? You compute. They got. They made it the 35th or 36th fastest computer in the world.
2: What was the Navy computing? This isn't like they're folding at home, or maybe they are. I don't know. They're probably doing something, right? I mean, I'd hope so. they just didn't do this and be like, what? we did it, boys. Look at all these PS3s. All right, take it out. I even recall
0: Obama commissioning some supercomputer back when he was president because um, they, they they need it for maybe security for cracking, cracking uh, security in foreign countries, you know. Yeah, I, I guess. The scary part is if they ever get um, quantum computing going, it will just crack all encryption everywhere in like a second. You know, that's pretty nuts. It's probably not gonna be in the hands of consumers right away, no, but even even in the at the hands of the government, it's just like they could just crack into any computer system they wanted a little scary, yeah. I've already got that, yeah, you got that you already got it yeah. now hooked up, yeah, but we'll need we'll need quantum computers to encrypt things, and then you'll be okay, damn, now we're back to square one, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, damn. Alright, let's hop into the news. A lot of news this week. A lot of good stuff going on. Um, it's official. Microsoft has purchased Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. It's finally gone through. Oh, crap. Um, Microsoft showed that uh, that video. I don't know if you saw it, Tim. They released a little minute and a half. No, I didn't see it yet. video of uh, all their franchises coming together. Just to, to some music. Celebrating being like welcome to the family
1: nothing i love more than corporate (laughs) get togethers
0: yeah uh so this is my gm microsoft has announced a 69 billion dollar purchase of activision blizzard bringing call of duty and more into the xbox fold In a post on xbox wire xbox boss phil spencer said work has now begun bringing activision blizzard games to game pass although he stopped short of name checking any titles he said quote today we start the work to bring beloved Activision Blizzard and King franchises to Game Pass and other platforms. We'll share more about when you can expect to play in the coming months. Uh, we know you're excited and we are too. Uh, end quote. Spencer also delivered a message to existing players of Activision Blizzard games suggesting multi-platform support will continue. Uh, quote, for the millions of fans who love Activision Blizzard and King games, we want you to know that today is a good day to play. You are at the heart and uh, soul of these franchises. And we are honored to have you as part of our community. Whether you play on Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, PC, or mobile, uh, you are welcome here. And you will remain welcome even if Xbox isn't where you play your favorite franchise. Because when everyone plays, we all win. We believe our news today will unlock a world of possibilities for more ways to play. Thank you for the ongoing support. We have so much more to come in the months ahead. I'm excited for the future and cannot wait to share it with you. End quote. So, Matt, how does it finally feel to be <laughs> be through this uh, entire purchase process.
2: I mean, I hope there's no more lawsuits involved. so We don't have to talk about them because holy crap, did we talk about them for a long time?
0: Never got an update on what Canada had uh, approved or not approved.
2: <laughs> uh, it's probably because nobody cares. But this um, <laughs> <You laughs> realistically, can find it. you can look it up. It's probably on like the like the Fed's website. It's just in like a little fit, little print. Oh, like yeah we, yeah, we it it cool yeah, we said it was cool too, and we said it was alright. But uh, no, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm just glad it's over. This has been such a big story, kind of clouding over everything for a long time. It'll be interesting to see how Call of Duty and everything kind of over the years meld their way into Game Pass and how all that's handled and to other platforms. I wonder if that, how that's going to work out on Switch as well. Oh, what? What on Switch? Sorry, Call of Duty, right? Aren't they bringing mm-hmm. in Call of
0: Duty to Switch? Oh, that was part of the deal, right? To actually make the make a deal with Nintendo. Yeah, I mean they have Overwatch on Switch. I'm sure they can get Call of Duty working on Switch, right?
2: Mm, Call of Duty's pretty big too. So how are you going to get all those assets and everything working on a Switch, and that's it doesn't run the greatest?
0: Well, do you remember Call of Duty's back on the Wii and stuff? How it was very kind of bare bones-ish. Yeah, I wonder if that's just going to be the case. There's going to be so many missing assets and certain effects and whatnot that it'll uh, it'll look like a completely different game
2: <laughs> when you boot it up. I wonder if we won't get Call of Duty parody. Like, we won't get Warzone and stuff. We'll get, yeah. um, like the yearly releases, but a year late on the Switch. The other option, I guess, is streaming, right? You stream yeah. it to Switch. I don't yeah,
0: that's,
3: know if that's possible. The plan, but,
0: but yeah, um, Matt, what, uh, or I guess, um, even Tim, uh, either of you guys, um, are you excited for any games, uh, under the, um, management of Microsoft now? Like, are you hoping that, is there a franchise you'd like from Activision or Blizzard that you maybe hope goes in a better direction or anything like that?
2: Uh, honestly, for me, uh, I kind of am curious whether Microsoft's going to start stepping in more now and taking control of things because there's been a lot of, like, I mean, bad stuff happening in Activision Blizzard, obviously management and, uh, and the whole bit of scandals and such. So there's a, there's that whole thing. So I'm sure they're going to step in in that regard. But Microsoft usually seems to step away from the creative side, letting the company sort of run themselves. And I'm kind of wondering, with such a big acquisition, so much money being put through at this point, whether they're going to start kind of telling people what to do. Because I think one of the major problems with Microsoft versus PlayStation is... Microsoft seems to not have like a single a singular vision. They just bought a bunch of studios, the studios are making stuff, and it's like, hey, that's a Microsoft game. Yay! And then that's it. Whereas like PlayStation seems more cohesive, and yes, they are completely different licenses and whatnot. It seems like even though Sony says they're hands off, I don't know whether they QA or they guide or they strongly suggest things or something, but there seems to be a certain level of quality. That does come out. Even something that was considered that was considered less quality, like Days Gone, was still much less buggy and much less unpolished than we see other AAA games. And we would see more of those un- unpolished experiences from Sony if they weren't stepping in. In my opinion,
3: mm-hmm.
0: here's what I want to see. So I got a list of um, some of the major franchises. IGN put together like the biggest like franchises from each. Each portion of this deal um but they also mentioned that like activision goes back to like the 70s right um uh, i want to see a reboot of asteroids not <laughs> not like in the typical like you know pointing the little arrow at, at asteroids but like do try to figure out a sci-fi story you know based
1: around the property asteroids That would actually make for a really interesting like span of years of Mm -hmm. remakes for video games but they go back and they take all these really old arcade games that have like (laughs) no story (laughs) it's like it's like what they do with movies right when there's like oh they're making a they're making a rampage movie it's like that's an arcade game about giant uh, mutated monsters yeah destroying buildings and fighting the military and stuff. How do you possibly make a movie out of that? Well, we put Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it <laughs> and he has some sort of rapport with a mutated monkey and uh and that's the story. They made Cold a
0: Battleships was... game as well.
1: Or a movie, I mean. A Battleships movie?
0: Yeah, man. Like based on Rihanna. Games. Oh yeah, that's right. Which it's not a, it's not a bad film. It's, it's out? It's... I've never heard of this. You've never heard of the Battleship? Never I feel heard like of it. came out in 2014. It came out a while ago, yeah, but nope. it was I I enjoyed it. But yeah, I want like a um I guess it would be even more than like a God of War reboot. Like this would be a, a complete overhaul of Asteroids, but I want like a serious, you know, dramatic
2: AAA Asteroids action game. You see that that kind of points to my point about them stepping in because if you don't step in creatively, I would imagine that they're just going to do, you know, same old, same old business as usual, right? Like they wouldn't go to Asteroids or whatever, but Microsoft might be looking at the market at large and being like, okay, you do this, you do that, you do this, let's get some remakes, but done, let's do this, let's do that. Let's like rush out, not rush out, but let's get these things all planned. It's a cohesive release schedule and this and that, whereas it doesn't seem to be that way right now. And like, we'll, you know, hopefully see the office get cleaned up, let's say at Activision Blizzard, but at the same time, it'll still just be, you know, this is here's your Call of Duty, here's your Diablos, here's your Candy Crush and your Bubble Witch Saga.
0: Well, you know what's weird about Activision is that they don't actually publish a terrible amount of games, like they used to. I remember seeing the Activision logo a ton when I was growing up. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, but the, the the since like Call of Duty was their big money maker, like it's like that's like that's all they really published. Um, they did publish uh, Sekiro, which I think is interesting. You know. Yeah, that is weird. Um, they did Guitar Hero back in the day, but that's kind of when I was growing up. The new Crash Bandicoot, which is kind of like a weird <laughs> reboot thing or whatever you want to call that. But um, for the most part, they're not pumping out a bunch of games like a like a Ubisoft is or or whoever you know, or even a Bethesda. So
2: it's a bit odd. Well, the other thing, the other thing is kind of weird too. Is the only like game you can kind of look forward to from Activision Blizzard right now that I can think of is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 and that thing was largely done without Microsoft so right, yeah. what's the next game like under Microsoft is Modern Warfare 4 or the next Call of Duty whatever it is right um, Black Ops because, 5 yeah, Black Ops 5 or whatever it's going to be because we have this sort of weird um, like release schedule kind of like what you're saying and it's like there's not going to be a World of Warcraft 2 suddenly as mm-hmm. far as I know There's not going to be another StarCraft necessarily right away. Um, Diablo 4, you know, took years and years to make, and it just came out, relatively speaking. So, I mean, for us to be kind of hopeful that VAC Division Blizzard is going to suddenly start releasing a bunch of games for Xbox is probably just not the case, short of, again, your yearly Call of Duties. World of
1: Warcraft on Xbox Game Pass. I mean, that's likely, right? Um, I don't know if that makes sense because then they're just trading one subscription for another subscription. Yeah,
0: <laughs> subscription free on
1: Game Pass. It would make it would everyone save that, same is that possible? price. I think I mean, you may save a couple of bucks.
2: You'd actually get money out of value though, right? Like if you took your your money from your World of Warcraft subscription and put it toward Game Pass, like especially if you just put it toward Game Pass PC. I think that would that would. That's an interesting probably one. The thing. I never
1: I never really thought about what they would do with that. Um, it has controller support, is that right? I remember hearing things about them trying to get it working, but that was a long time ago. I wonder if Microsoft would want it on Xbox consoles.
0: Would that finally happen? I know that's been talked about for for years about it coming to console.
2: It's old, it's like really old now. So like I don't know, unless they do like a big 2.0 update where they revamp everything <laughs> and you know, do whatever they got to do to get it. I mean, be on Xbox. A lot of
0: people have been talking about too that um, Microsoft is really interested in mobile gaming as well. Not making their own handheld, but you know, either streaming on mobile or maybe producing some mobile games. What if they brought uh, World of Warcraft to phones? I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if it actually happened, but I Black mean, Desert Online is on mobile.
2: You know, RuneScape is on yeah. mobile and old school runescape and even old school runescape because it wasn't old school runescape when we played it it was just runescape um when we played it like if you would said you know control this on a phone that was when phone gaming was like kind of starting and i probably would have been like nah like it's not gonna work and mm-hmm. tim and i have played like quite a few hours when it first came out giving it a try and it, it worked it was pretty good so i mean I mean, I guess the one thing that's different in World of Warcraft, and like Tim can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a whole crap load of skills that you're firing off all the time. Whereas in in RuneScape, it's, it's not really turn-based, but it certainly is slower. There,
1: it used to be a lot. Now it's more so you just kind of like have your core like five skills and then you sort of rotate. From last time that I played it, I, didn't, I haven't played it since its most recent update when they kind of overhauled it with... Um, um, can't even remember the name of the most recent expansion. Um, not Shadowlands,
2: not Pandaria. That's definitely, definitely the only one that I remember. Not Pandaria, <laughs> no. Holy cow, um, that was an old one! Then? Dragonflight
1: is the most recent one. Um, they did like an overhaul, so, some mechanics again and stuff. So, I think a lot of people were really happy with it, but I uh, I don't know the um, the particulars of how how the sort of main rotation of gameplay goes anymore. I think there are there are they have done some interesting things with it, which I think have only been like um a good thing for the for the IP. Um in terms of making the gameplay more um engaging, like uh having different like inputs for different spells and stuff. So there's one they have like a new class that they added. I think it's called like the evoker or something. Um, where for some of the abilities like instead of just hitting your hotkeys and stuff it's like the the longer you press and hold your hotkeys it like charges up the spells and makes them do different things it's like that again this is coming from the perspective of somebody who watched some promotional material for the expansion and never actually played it because i really don't think i can ever play that game again <laughs> um but that's that's the sort of thing that it needs right Is like different style of gameplay so to kind of bring it back to uh the, like, console conversation, it would be interesting if they had different mechanics like that where you, uh, you know, maybe you've got unique interactions because you're playing with a controller versus a keyboard. Um, But I think it would be very doable. I can't imagine they've changed up the gameplay loop very much from your sort of having your core number of skills. And at the very, you know, at the very least, like, if they just wanted to rip a page straight out of Baldur's Gate's book, like, you can just have radial menus. You can have as many radio menus as you want that are like pretty intuitive for control sticks, right?
0: Don't is like World of Warcraft's real time though, right? You'd be wanting, yeah. wanting real quick access to the, your your abilities and not digging through a menu. Because like wow. I got like I got like five radial wheels on, on Boulder's Gate now. You gotta yeah, tab. But you can customize
1: them. all the one all of them, right? And you can have all your main skills on your first radio wheel that always pops up. Yeah. You know? It could almost be one of those things where it's like your radial menu is always there. Um on screen, but it like disappears when you're not using it for three seconds or whatever. And then mm-hmm. as soon as you move the like left stick or uh, the, like the right stick or something, maybe dedicate the right stick to a, a popping up radial menu that could even be context sensitive too. And then you could just give the player a million ways to customize it. Assassin's Creed um,
0: um, Odyssey had a pretty good system for managing a bunch of skills on the on a controller. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, it, you, were, you were holding down The shoulder buttons for different, it would give you a different wheel for each shoulder button you held down, you know. And I thought it worked out pretty well.
2: I don't want to remember that game having skills. Yeah, it's based on an RPG. Assassin's Creed Odyssey having I don't remember it having skills at all. Yeah. I I don't know. It's right over my head. Yeah, like 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 the the, the Spartan kick is a skill. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I I must have been doing that stuff without and I just didn't Mm -hmm. remember. Like you, you, could swap them out and place them in different sections of your of your wheel
0: or or face buttons. I think it was that you're using. Anyway, uh, all right. Some of these are some of the big games from Activision: Call of Duty, obviously, Crash Bandicoot, which I'm not sure how much life is left in that. Um, Guitar Hero, which we've heard is potentially making a comeback. Let's just talk about that for a bit, because like Rock Band Four came out a couple years ago, uh, not not too much fanfare, you know. But I think they're still releasing tracks for it. You can still purchase things. Um, but do either of you like want to see Guitar Hero make a comeback
3: here?
1: I feel like it's one of those things where I want to say yes because of the nostalgia, but in reality I probably wouldn't actually end up buying it or playing it. Are you
0: willing to purchase another hundred and fifty dollar plastic guitar that I you'll mean, play already for like a
1: couple of weeks and then I already have a full set, so I don't have to worry about buying the new instruments, I could just buy the uh Hopefully the game. They as work, long yeah. as they were compatible. Because they always tend to be.
2: I uh, I think for me, I'm in Tim's boat. Is I would like for it to be successful. I don't think I would buy or play it myself. Um, mostly because I just don't want another guitar kicking about. But also, <laughs> yeah. there's also I don't know. It's it. We we we've had this conversation. I think before. I don't know if we ever had it on the show though. But Guitar Hero and Rock Band were so big when we were in sort of early high school and everyone was playing it. And even later elementary school, I think. Fantastic. And, and like, we were kind of questioning whether it was an hour generation thing. And like the time is gone for all generations, if you will, or whether if a new guitar hero were to come out, would it catch on to this generations, you know, the same age we were. So like grade eight, grade nine, grade 10, would they be the ones that play the crap out of it? And a guitar hero or rock band four rather didn't, do that so it i mean i don't know i don't know if it's like the end all be all proof but it is a bit of proof that maybe rhythm games are just done although i don't really know what made rhythm games take off in the first place and why they couldn't again novelty
0: it was new um and sure there's like you know tens of millions of new people who play games who have come up and never played rock band um but i just don't know if it's going to connect the same way because it won't, it might not even be covered the same way by the press, and so there might not be the same excitement. You know what I mean? It was just it being a new thing and then catching on that quickly just kind of made the whole, you know, rhythm game market explode for the first time. And it's
1: really hard to, I think, recapture that in any sense. It's funny because there'd already been rhythm games before, like plenty of arcade games or rhythm games like yeah. DDR and stuff. Mm-hmm um but yeah it was just the first time that it was like available in like a home format in a very like accessible way right like yeah. it's very it's very much an arcade type game where you go to the arcade and you just grab the special guitar shaped controller and then you and you play it um but it was just it came to home setups first right
0: you know both games like rock band and guitar hero were very much rock focused mm-hmm. and i wonder if they're gonna need something more pop focused nowadays. You know, like, look how look how massive Taylor Swift is. Do they need like Taylor Swift tracks on there to yeah. get people to actually want to buy this thing? Um, so maybe it'll make take more of a pop turn than than a rock turn.
2: Would that be why? Um, what's it called? Just Dance is still kicking about. Oh it yeah, it's always been yeah. pop
1: music. Yeah, because mm-hmm. rock's want- kind of dead right now,
0: or at least it's dormant.
1: Maybe it's some just rock like we'll
0: criticize that, but
1: because well, yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if it's just because of like our age and like demographic and stuff. But like, I feel like there was as much pop popularity when we were in high school as there is now. Um, Because like, you know, when you say, oh, you know, a modern rhythm game would have to have a lot of pop tracks on it, like. I feel like that argument could have been made at the same time for rock band, but it, it wasn't. Well, I think I mean, now maybe because I was in a
0: band, things might be different to me. So you guys, well, I guess Tim, because Matt doesn't really listen to, listen to music. But when we were in high school, there was a resurgence in classic rock popularity. A lot of people were listening to older songs, as, as far as I can tell.
1: Um, but and a there, lot of people was... are still listening to classic songs now. Wow. Possibly I know, but even it, more so because of the advent of TikTok and like old songs coming back into the popular mind. Yeah, usually when they're in a trailer for a movie or something, they they pop up in the charts because people start listening to
0: them.
3: Mm-hmm. But I just That's don't know I mean. if
0: it's captured the same amount in in the in the way that it did back when we were in high school, because there was like radio stations that were classic rock radio stations, you know, that have largely kind of gone away nowadays. But in high school, they were they were
1: all over all over the place. The number one radio station in my city is a classic rock station. Oh, nice. But it's that a good, could just be anecdotal.
2: Well, I was going to say it's a good question, though, because like you bring up a good point with TikTok. It's like not just TikTok, but the whole music scene has changed. Like when we were like playing guitar here on that, it was CDs or iPods mm-hmm. or Walkmans, you know, whether it's a CD Walkman or like a digital, you know, kind of like an iPod Sony Walkman or equivalent MP3 device. That's what we were, that's what we were using. Now there's like discovery engines. And so, you know, a lot of people have gone away from radio and a lot of people weren't really listening to radio back then either. So it's a good question as to like, right now I hear more country than anything. (laughs) And I used to never hear country and like, like quite a few people that I know used to hate country and now they like it. So I don't know whether like that's a thing or you are in a bit of a country loving place though but i never really heard country here that much there was always it was always present because mm-hmm. of the location right more rural yeah. like yeah of course but i'm hearing it more now from like my girlfriend and her friends and like they're live in the city like they live in the city they don't live out here and so it's it's a question of like what's the influencer maybe like what what what's the discovery of music and has it become consumable what i mean by that is like We used to, you know, get some MP3s or whatever, whether you'd buy them or illegitimately download them back then. LimeWire it or whatever, and then you, (laughs) yeah, you would throw it on an MP3 player, and that would be it. But now there's these discovery algorithms, discovery this and that. There's TikTok that brings on trends. So is it is is music too disposable now? Where this week, you know, the top song is you know A, and then next week it's B and Guitar Hero slash whatever it is that comes back, whatever rhythm game comes back, can't keep up with it because mm-hmm. you don't want a, a collection of just 100 songs or 126 songs or 75 songs because those are the trends as of the time of the development. So then you're going to listen to it and be like, oh, it's still kind of old, even though they're, you know, maybe a couple years old.
0: Yeah, I think it will be interesting. I don't know if it's going to have the same impact. I think I think if a new Guitar Hero comes out. It'll be the same. As when Rock Band 4 came out. It'll be a little little bump, and then it'll just kind of fade away. Um, However, I I was just thinking, if I was Spotify, I feel like I'd want to get in on this action and be like, you know, with your Spotify subscription, log into your Guitar Hero account and get access to like certain tracks that that we have exclusively for Spotify listeners. You know, some kind of integration like that would would be interesting.
2: That would work, I think. But... Then you're then it's only Spotify, and then it's also gamers that have Spotify. I'm not saying the entire game you have
0: you have to use Spotify, but they would they would own exclusive tracks for Spotify users. So if you log in with your Spotify account to Guitar Hero, you get access to additional tracks.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Something like that it would be interesting. Well, do you do you think that that type of mechanism would be used to keep up with something like, like TikTok? And any of the streaming services, Spotify included, um, and their, like, suggestion algorithms and those type of things.
0: Well, what, I, what I'm just thinking is that, like, obviously the game launches with a, a certain library, but then you have to purchase songs. And that feels a little a bit outdated, particularly for the the current generation who only has subscriptions to, to music. They never purchased it. Right. right. So it's like, I feel like with Guitar Hero, you would want a subscription service for additional tracks rather than purchasing them. Because that just seems crazy nowadays
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you
0: know? yeah get game pass involved too you know have a bunch of tracks via game pass
2: i think i think honestly like a rotating library of some sort whether it be due to subscription or due to you already having spotify as an option or something like that i think that would be the way forward mm-hmm. because people would they'd hear it on tiktok a bunch because of a trend and then they would want to go play it on Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. And if they couldn't, it would be weird. It'd be like, oh, I guess I'm playing these 75 songs again. Yeah. And as a
0: as a Led Zeppelin fan, Led Zeppelin has never appeared on Rock Band or Guitar Hero. Oh. And I don't know if they're that relevant to today's generation, but uh, I'd be, I, I still want a Led Zeppelin, like like the Beatles edition of Rock Band that they got. Yeah. An amazing just game in general. You know, with all the guitars and stuff, I would want a Led Zeppelin one that would be incredible. But Led we Zeppelin we never showed up,
2: but yet Lego got an addition, Ryan.
0: Well, Led Zeppelin was probably asking for a pretty penny because they, they are notoriously expensive to get. They could ask whatever they want. Yeah. For something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, some other titles that uh, Microsoft now has under their belt, like we mentioned Sekiro. So, I mean, there's a potential for a sequel there, although. The fact that there's no Bloodborne sequel for PlayStation, I'm not sure if they're making a going to make a Sekiro sequel at all, um, which is interesting. I don't know what, what what's what's behind all that. Um, Matt,
2: prototype. You want to see a prototype come back? I'd like to see prototype. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Prototype Two, which you hear much less about than Prototype One, but I'm a a, bit, a much bigger fan of Prototype Two, just because I think it was closer to modern game mechanics maybe mm. um and like you prototype recently played them recently played yeah i actually played prototype 2 twice because i wanted the platinum and i had to go oh, back wow. through it and i just i literally did everything um in the, in the whole map and multiple mm-hmm. times too uh, the first time i did like 90% of the map or whatever and the second time i did absolutely absolutely everything i think it was on the harder difficulty or something too something like that but um i do wonder if prototype would have had a better
0: shot if infamous had not been so popular you know because it kind of buried prototype. Cuz prototype was like the the first one was like the joke that it was like the rip-off infamous game, you know.
2: Right. But you are well, saying
0: they're 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 good. I wonder if they would have had a better shot if they didn't have a comparison like that.
2: Prototype had a had a good chance because it was on Xbox and infamous never was. Right. So it's like if you wanted if you had an Xbox and you wanted to play sort of like open world, I don't know, superhero or I guess supervillain uh type game, anti-hero? then is he an anti-hero?
0: Or are you a villain? Are you just killing innocent people? <laughs> are you just wrecking the streets? And the and...
2: whole, I'll say this that whole world's pretty fucked up, and you're okay. pretty fucked up. Like, <laughs> let's just put it that way. So, like, I don't really know who's like, you know, villain or this and that. You're certainly a victim of some villainy, and okay. then you're not so good in the second one, anyway. You're not so good yourself. You're not like running around killing everybody, but you're not, you're not doing that. Not, not, not exactly trying not to kill people. Yeah. Um, But no, like, a a prototype with uh, modern mechanics and graphics, yeah, I'd be there for that. That'd be fucking awesome.
0: Actually, I forgot to point out, Crash Bandicoot, you know, famously a PlayStation mascot, is now owned by Microsoft, officially (laughs) now owned by Microsoft. And Spyro,
3: now also
0: officially owned (laughs) by Microsoft. But on on the reverse side, Sony now owns Bungie, who made Halo. So it's just a weird... Weird turn of events that uh, that occurred.
2: That's very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, Wait, and,
0: Bungie now owns Halo. No, no, Sony owns Bungie. Oh, who used to right? Who, who used to make Halo? Yeah, yeah. Microsoft still owns the Halo franchise. Uh, with Blizzard, we got Diablo, Warcraft, uh, Overwatch, Starcraft, Lost of Vikings. I don't know why Lost Vikings is classic. On this list. Is that still a viable franchise? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> it's oh, really old. Man. It is really old. Holy poop. How old is it? Uh, 2017.
1: 1993.
0: Oh Christ, yeah, that's old for gaming, especially. Woo-wee! Was this was this a big title at the time though? I don't. Cuz this this list is supposed to be the biggest franchises Xbox now owns.
2: I mean, admittedly, Blizzard <laughs> doesn't this, have that is many this franchises. The biggest
0: franchise? Uh, and then followed up by the king uh, purchases Candy Crush Saga, Rebel Riders, Diamond Diaries Saga, and Bubble Witch Three Saga. Uh, my mom actually plays Bubble Witch. Um, so there you go. is that
2: because it kept installing on her PC unprovoked every time she booted it up? We don't own PCs over here, man. You no, know, I I do, and it just kept installing Bubble Witch Three Saga on there every single <laughs> every single time I booted it up. <laughs> did you have uh? Did you have, you had the pro version of Windows too, right?
0: That one was a college PC, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right, well, there you go. Our uh, The long purchase is over. We'll see where Microsoft takes it from now. Uh, I think people are pretty excited. Um, I think they're going to trickle out the games on Game Pass. I don't think they're going to dump them all on there at once, you know, because each one is like a new thing they can promote. You know, Call of Duty now on Game Pass. Overwatch now on Game Pass. And it's
2: like a new get the headlines going every time. Let me ask you a question. What are people excited for? Are they excited for the games coming out on, on Game Pass? Or are people in or do people believe that a new game is going to come out soon? Well, I mean, that would rely on Blizzard having already been working on a game, right? That's what I mean. Like I, I'm wondering if are people just excited to have their like is is all the excitement quite literally because people who have game pass want more on Game Pass? That,
0: that is why I'm excited. To have Call of Duties come to Game Pass every year. You know, I normally just play the uh, the campaign. Right. So it's, it's kind of like a waste to buy this big old game that has this massive multiplayer component and then only play the campaign. But if it's on Game Pass, I'll just play the campaign every year, you know?
2: I I mean, Modern Warfare 3, I think it's already been announced that it's not going to be on until 2024. Yeah. I'm probably just going to buy Modern Warfare 3. I'm not going to wait. Really? Yeah. You want to play that that soon? Yeah, I got a positive kill death ratio in, in MW two. Let's keep <laughs> her going. Fuck it.
0: All right, I, I still haven't beat the campaign for Modern Warfare two. That's
1: a
2: good I campaign. Know. I never is, beat it, one
0: though, so it was good. I just don't know why it stopped playing. I think I actually think it's the menu because they they force me into like the multiplayer stuff, and I got to find the campaign tile somewhere buried deep in the menus. I'd say,
2: I'd say that Microsoft would be the one to fix that. Unfortunately, they're kind of the pioneer of having fucking tiles everywhere. <laughs> so that's not going to any, go anywhere anytime soon.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next story here. Uh, PlayStation, or rather Sony, confirmed PS5 Slim for this holiday season. As uh, of my gen, uh, the smaller PS5 design comes with one terabyte of storage for the PS5 and PS5 Digital Edition, up from 825 gigabytes in the original versions of the console. Uh, and the new model provides the options to add an Ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive to the PS5 Digital Edition. In a post on the PlayStation blog, Sid Schumann, Senior Director, SIE Content Communications, said Sony created this new PS5 to, quote, address the evolving needs of players. Our engineering and design teams collaborated on new form factors that provide, uh, that provides greater choice and flexibility. The same technology features that make PS5 the best uh, to play are packed into a smaller form factor, along with an attachable Ultra HD Blu-ray disk drive and a one terabyte SSD for more internal storage, end quote. Now, this is kind of funny. I kind of forgot that the PS5 did not have one terabyte of storage. I forgot about that, too. That it only had 825 gigabytes, and then only usable was like 600 and something, (laughs) because... (laughs) the os and reserving certain things for whatever you know uh so that's pretty crazy but uh, tim did you get a chance to take a look at these new ps5 slims have you seen these at all
1: yeah i've seen the the marketing pictures of what's your your initial take on this i've never really been one to give much thought to the physical designs of consoles i i don't know i like i see why they do it but i'm kind of more on the Ironically I'm more in the Microsoft camp where you just make it look like a set top box <laughs> just make it smaller that's all I really care about honestly like Although the Series X is a is a fine looking console yeah like I just the PlayStation 5 is huge mm-hmm. um, it's it's way bigger than I thought it was going to be and like with the with the plastic as well like the wings on it makes it even bigger than it needs to be like I don't know. Well, this
0: new console is thirty percent smaller, uh, by volume.
2: Yeah, they're way smaller. Eighteen
0: percent less heavy. Way lighter. And twenty four percent compared to the previous models.
1: I do wonder if that's just like more efficient designing and construction, or if they're just using cheaper parts that are like it's cheaper plastic, so it's lighter.
0: Well, I think it's a combination, right? These are obviously these slim models obviously come out because they've figured out a way to make the consoles cheaper. Right, Mm. Um, because they obviously want more. um, uh, What's the word? Margins. They want they want bigger margins. uh, Right now, what's interesting in in talking about that is I think, to my memory, this is the first time the price has actually gone up for the slim models. It's usually usually there's a price decrease, you know, but it's actually gone up like fifty dollars this year, which makes it unusual.
2: Is, wait, so it's, it is it is up $50 from the original PS5. It says
0: here, it's worth noting that the PS5 digital model has gone up in price with the introduction of the slim version. The original PS5 digital edition costs $399, whereas the slimmer PS5 digital edition costs 449 so $50 more.
2: Now, is that because it, it's now all in, they're considering it all in one? Because they don't, they don't give you a disc drive. You always buy the digital edition, and then you buy an optional disc drive. That's that's no, how but, it's being sold, right? But you can buy a PS5 Slim with a disc drive, and it's already included and installed, or is yeah, it just a yeah. bundle? Okay, I, I imagine it's installed. Okay, because I mean it's easy enough to install, but like I'm lazy, I would rather have it installed. Um.
0: <laughs> I think it's interesting that it's detachable, though. Like, what is the use case? I mean, maybe I am in that use case because I got the Assassin's Creed Mirage Collector's Edition that came with a physical disc and can't play it on my digital-only PS5. If I could purchase a disc drive and slap it on my PS5, I guess. But if you're someone who bought the digital-only version, it's like you'd probably
2: only be buying digital. It might be the most likely component to break. Tim, you've bought a broken Mm. PS4 disc drive. Um, throw, you know, all our high school friends. I've heard of uh, a couple of broken uh, 360 disk drives. I have a buddy who has a broken Xbox One disk drive, so it's probably that, honestly. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah,
1: because it was a um, it was a PS4 Pro which likely had a cheaper disk drive in it than the original PS4.
2: I never really thought of that. That way you'd think it'd be better, but I guess... Well, wait, how does that work? So, Ryan, so, like, the PS4, you had them both. So, like, the PS4 had a Blu-ray, and then it was, the other one was UHD, is that right, guys? Like, for Pro?
0: No, the PS4 Pro did not have a UHD
2: drive. Oh, yeah, so then it was, like, probably way cheaper. Because I was thinking, like, oh, if they put a UHD, they put a cheap UHD, and UHD was, like, newer back then, so that's even cheaper. (laughs) You know what I I mean?
0: I, I remember it being kind of weird because the Xbox One S had a UHD drive. And Sony, who like helped co-develop or did develop Blu-ray, did not have a UHD player in their own console. It was very strange that that occurred. Um and and just given that, you know, they might, like the, the the PS2 drove the popularity of DVDs, PS3 drove the popularity of Blu-rays, and it's like then they didn't <laughs> care about UHDs, I guess. I don't know. It was it was weird.
2: So is this is this price increase? You know, I, I talk shit about Sony a bunch, but is this price increase? Just Sony going, we want more money. We're going to get rid of the old model, charge more for a new model. We want more probably. money. We don't we don't want our our console price to go down. We want our, our console price to go up as it ages. It's probably that it's probably because they
0: can right? Playstations are still popular. They're, they're probably still selling pretty good. And uh, the fact that they're selling good means they can increase the price. They did give you a little more storage space. I will grant them that. But is it $50 worth? I don't think so. You know, but
2: I consider age in it, too. Maybe that's wrong. I know some people would disagree with that age. I, like the PS5 is not a new piece of hardware anymore. Oh, so it shouldn't cost premium prices. Like, well, there should be a there should be a discount for that. But mm-hmm. well, this is a new model I did. I It's a. a it's unfortunately one of those things like I didn't ask that it's (laughs) a still PS5 like it's not like it can play a PS5.5 game it still plays a (laughs) PS5 game like
0: (laughs) Uh, the other thing too is like this is only like what three years into the PS5 when most other um, slim models came like four or 4.5 years into the console generation is this because it's so big
2: that's possible those boxes are fucking big like, the box of the PS5 is is pretty big. Like, imagine shipping them and then being able to, like, shrink that down. Yeah. Be able to ship a heck of a lot more. Uh, the other thing, too,
0: is it comes with, like, a new stand. Or maybe it's a... I think, but you can buy the stand separately if you want as well. And it works on the old consoles, I think so you can upgrade your stand for your PS5 <laughs> <laughs> of all the things to invest in I have been someone who has purchased stands for my PS4 and my and my PS3 I think I think my PS3 well the fat one had such a big base that it could stand on its own right uh but I think I still had like an additional inch of stand to, to widen it so it wouldn't topple as easily. It's a PS4? PS3. Okay. The The original launch, not launch but the original fat PS3. I remember having a stand for it. Um, and then PS4 I also had a stand because I did use to put my consoles vertically. Um, but I don't have any room for the massive PS5 to go vertical. But anyway, that's it. Uh, launching November, I think, so just in time for the holidays, you we'll be able to get your new ugly PS5.
2: You know, it's kind of actually funny about this is that they're releasing a Spider-Man two version, and it's the old PlayStation Five. Oh yeah, that's right. So it's yeah. I don't know, it's super weird. And that means that any of like the custom plates too are now going to have to be changed again. And are they going to sell both moving forward? So let's say Sony doesn't like to look
0: back, right? No, but well, let's say a year from now, like a Death Stranding two comes out, or whenever it comes out, and they release a plate for the new PS Five Slim.
2: Nah, nah, nah Am you, I gonna you, get one on my old PS Five? No, you you pay that. <laughs> you pay that markup on that fucking PS Five Slim, buddy. You pay that markup. You buy a new oh, console, bud. Because oh. you can't, you can't, you trade it in, and now you still got to give me a hundred bucks. <laughs> oh man. Woo! All right. Final story for the week.
0: Uh, Ubisoft admits physical sales will get even lower. This is from IGN. Ubisoft has snapped up the cloud gaming rights for Activision Blizzard games as part of Microsoft's $69 billion deal for Call of Duty maker. The French mega publisher has issued a blog post featuring an interview with Chris Early, Ubisoft's SVP Strategic Partnership and Business Development, who was asked, "What do you think of our uh, of the future of physical media in games?" And his response was, "quote There's a collector's uh, a collector edition market." There's the aspect of gifting physical items and allowing access for people to be able to easily purchase a game in a store and gift them to their friends or family. Some people will always want to own the physical disc. I just don't think it's going away. Do I think physical sales might get lower over time? Sure. But will it ever completely go away? I don't think so. End quote. Um, Early's answer will do little to reassure those concerned about the perhaps inevitable extinction of physical games. It suggests the disc will become a niche or collector's Uh, uh, or for collectors as the dominance of digital grows even further. I kind of think he's wrong, personally. I think physical will go away completely at some point. I don't know. How how do you guys feel?
2: Tim? I'm pointing at you, Tim. I'm pointing at you, although I just realized I'm not pointing at my camera. I'm just pointing. What do you want for me? We're all pointing at each other just for the listener. Like, we're not just doing nothing.
0: <laughs> do you think that this uh, this Ubisoft guy is right in saying that that physical sales will still exist, but be a niche?
1: Or do you think that they're going to go away entirely? I mean, inevitably, in time, there will be no more physical releases. Like, inevitably. Um, I don't know. Like, I wonder if there's any value in looking into or looking at, like, the music industry as, like, a like a similarity where like you say like CDs are around, but only for like the collectors, right? Like there are people that swear by vinyl saying it's, it's got a different sound. Um, Like I, I like physical, not so much for CDs, but for like old consoles with cartridges, like there's a tactile feel slapping a cartridge into an old console that like that cannot be replicated these days, right? Mm-hmm. Um but that's probably just the nostalgia talking. And that's that's fine. I think a lot of people who collect vinyl, it's the same way. Like they just like the the methodical nature of, you know, it's getting the 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 vinyl out of the sleeve and setting your your um your your uh your vinyl track on your player and grabbing the needle and gingerly placing it and you know it's and then just sitting and listening to it it's very like it's almost like an activity right whereas with um it's a vibe with like cds and gaming and stuff like it's 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 not the same it's not nearly equivalent right so the only way that I can see physical mediums being like a niche for collectors is like for old stuff I can't see well I guess it's just, again, perspective. Like, there might be those people who grow up with CDs, and then this world now is starting to go more digital, and to them, the old nostalgic style is putting a a CD into their PS5. Right. Or more PS4, I would say, because I think the people probably do a lot more digital content on their PS5s than physical with discs and stuff. Like, I bought the, the disc tray PS5 because I was like, oh, I want to be able to play all my old PS4 games on and stuff, and I just like I've I've done that maybe twice. Mm-hmm. I think for like Red Dead and, um, some other game, but like yeah, oh, uh, Spider Man. So like, there's there's not a lot that's like PS4 stuff that I wanted to be like, oh, let's see what this like how this runs in the PS5, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I really, I really thought that I would be more attached to the to the physical, um, methodology. But it seems like no. Just based on if I sit here and think about my last couple of years with my PS5, when I've used it, it's mostly been digital titles and stuff. The one thing that I do still stand by physical for is that like you can play a game, you can beat it. You can, or you, you don't like it, or whatever, and you can sell it, or you can give it to a friend, and that's something that you at this point you can't do with digital. You can't share it in the same way. Like I've been playing a couple of games uh, from a friend who uh, who loaned me some games, and that's it's a they're on physical disc. Like there's the the only way that you can really borrow games from friends now, aside from if you have like a shared you know like steam library or like you know playstation account or whatever so
2: (laughs) matt well i know that some people care about the physical media to like always kind of go around like the middleman like go around the drm go around everything and just like have like they own the code for the game and so even if the servers go offline and this and that and this and that if there's a portion of the game that doesn't need online, they can put the disc in and play it. They don't have to yeah. worry about the PS store servers, the games, the servers to an extent, and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but, and obviously there's some DRM on the disc, but it's like they're physically owning the game. I'm kind of wondering whether whether there's any market to having, because it kind of sounds like discs are becoming more novelty. And I wonder if we're going to have novelty discs where quite literally you're we're going to ship collector's editions with a disc but you don't put the disc in the console it has like just a code on the actual disc where they actually just have it printed in the ink or whatever it is that they kind of paint the design on did
0: that Um, happen um not exactly what you're saying but like what, what game was it with cyberpunk or something where like you bought the console version you put it in it didn't actually have anything on the disc you would download the entire game anyway
2: There's been games like that for sure.
0: Yeah. So the the actual code isn't even on the disc. It's just, it's just an unlock code. There's
2: also like the code. We've also seen like discs that are cardboard and then the code's been on that, or it's just been a placeholder. We've seen that before. I've also Um, seen
0: collector's editions with steel books, but no discs.
2: Yeah. See, that's the weird thing, right? Whereas (laughs) like a a blank disc, a blank disc for the price of a collector's edition is like nothing. And then if they just print the design on the disc, And just have the code on there. Yeah. Is that enough of like a nostalgia hit? I know you're not putting the disc in and this and that, but it, what's interesting I find is that we hear about, you know, game preservation concern and stuff like that, or at least I do a lot about the console. I don't really hear that much about PC and I wonder if that's because on PC people get the files from steam or whatever and they just break the DRM and they break into it and blah blah blah, and then they archive the files of the of like the, the cracked game themselves, like you know what I mean. Whereas it's harder to crack like a PS five game, um, it's like le- certainly less accessible because like there's there's you know there's also GOG and that that doesn't have DRM, and so you could you know you could you you could share that like you're not supposed to, but mm-hmm. you could you could share those files out and about. So like there's kind of like a two angled, two prong approach there, right? Where it's like some people are worried about physical ownership and preservation and then there's the other people that are the nostalgia route right and then there's obviously going to be some crossover there but i i think that physical media won't go away until one of the manufacturers does it i think one, if if one of the manufacturers does it it'll just make the whole thing collapse because who's going to print discs for xbox and not print discs for playstation like half your store in like an EV or whatever or like if you're just if you're a game store half your store goes away or like a like a third of it because there's Nintendo as well. Like a third of your so goes away in terms of disc space. Now it's like, am I really going to like bother having the Xbox disc? I feel like then Xbox would follow suit, and then I don't know about Nintendo because they still have cartridges and such. But that's 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 the way I feel is I think it's going to take one of the console manufacturers to to just make digital only and digital only, absolutely no physical. Well, yeah, because it's weird that this Ubisoft guy is saying that he thinks that physical will
0: always stick around. Now he's not talking to infinity obviously but it sounds like he's talking near term but it's like let's say the ps6 has no disk version mm-hmm. there'd be no reason to ever print a single disk ever
2: right and that would literally just be the end for here though like we have internet here and uh, like what about places that kind
0: of don't or literally don't I think I think they just get written off, written off at a certain point it's unfortunate but like they don't sell phones and then expect you to be able to use it, you know, outside of no, no cellular area. Like it's just not the same. We live in an internet age and these boxes are going to need internet.
2: That's just the reality of it. But would they, would they write them off or would it be a case of they offer a niche, but expensive attachable disc drive, not like the PS five slim. Cause that's kind of like, like snapping it in and then it's flush. I'm talking like a USB one it's like an optional usb accessory and then you can still purchase your disc from like a certain manufacturer and it's like more expensive or something is that the case because i mean we all use cell phones we don't we're not using sat phones but sat phones are still being made and have been made for years and sat phones are very niche but they're I mean, well, in niche locations my phone can technically connect to satellites but okay but it doesn't it doesn't do phone calls and text via the satellite yeah. to, to everyone does it you can do text not, not to everyone it's for emergency services Right, well that's still different though. Like a sat phone can make phone I know, calls.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't know if it would be worth it though. I don't you know. Like how how many consoles are not hooked up to online? Like what is that number? You know. They must know cuz they'd be able to see how many consoles they sold and how many are connecting to their network on a on a uh, on an average average usage um so i don't think it would be honest. Worth it to, to to cater to to the, the the minority there that that doesn't have their console
2: connected. How many people don't know how to do it and just have never done it? Connect online. Yeah. How many people have brought a console home? They don't know how to connect it, and that's it. How many I people don't have a think cell phone? It's in the
0: millions, though.
2: It might be like it might I, be low millions across the whole globe.
0: I don't know. I don't think so. We're not. We don't know either. We don't know the numbers. So I just don't feel like that's the case. That just sounds crazy.
2: I, I always like remember there was this incident or like this instance rather in an EB games years ago where this guy was like trying to describe to the other guy that he couldn't connect to his Wi-Fi, but he was describing the Xbox as the source of the Wi-Fi.
3: Mm.
2: And the guy was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, this is not you're not describing what's happening in your house. He's like, your router gives you it. And he's like, no, no, the modem. They give me a modem. And then the Xbox creates the Wi-Fi. And I connect to the modem via the Wi-Fi that comes from the Xbox. The guy's like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? And it's like, like I honestly think like, ever, ever since that day, I'm like, how many people like, really don't know what's going on? Like how many people have a, have a cell phone that they've never connected to Wi-Fi in their own house? Because they're just like, I have data, whatever. And they don't know. They were, they were handed it by a cellular whatever tech. The SIM card went in. The plan was activated. They pay the bill. And that's it. How many people are like that? I want. I, I think it's probably in the millions across the globe. Three phones, yes. I don't know <laughs> about consoles. Who said three? <laughs> 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 three million? Is that what you said? Three people. Three, just three. You're one of them. Uh. Well,
0: anyway, I I would bet a panzo, Matt, on the PS6 not having any option for a disc drive.
2: Yeah, I take that bet. I don't. I I don't know if I disagree with you, so I can't really bet against you. Oh, That'd be okay. foolish. <laughs> Fine, no panzas for anyone. Let's all I,
1: bet that it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, because it, out. So we all get a panso.
2: We call Marty. Marty's gonna buy, yeah, we'll, <laughs> buy his against. Marty's gonna buy his pansos. He <laughs> we'll collects collateral
0: all, damage. We'll all buy each other pansos. <laughs> oh, okay. And then float up the stairs.
2: No what? one knows no one knows that fucking reference. Such float an in-joke.
0: That's when we all lift lift each other up and then we float up the stairs. Oh, right,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you lift me and then I'll lift Matt. And
0: then Matt lifts me. And
1: then Matt lifts Ryan. And then we all all float.
0: We all have panzos in our hand and then we float up the stairs.
1: (laughs) Lift with one hand, panzo in the other. Yeah. (laughs) Ascend to the heavens.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's
1: just the way it works. I don't make the laws of physics. I really exploit them for my advantage.
0: All right, let's move on. That's the end of the stories for this week. Uh, Query Corner question. When a weapon is legendary, legendary in lore but not in stats, Matt, give us some background on this.
2: Yeah, so um, you know, we all played a game where a weapon or an arm, a piece of armor or an item or whatever, an amulet, ring, all the rest of it. It's like lore, legendary. People are like, this is the most powerful ring, the most powerful set of armor, the most amazing sword, the most amazing gun, whatever. And then you get it, and it's okay or it's straight up bad um, I have an example so th- this is mechanical spoilers for Starfield I won't spoil story stuff but when you new game plus you are given a set of stuff and I was using that stuff thinking that it was really good stuff because you kind of earn it for doing the end uh, I couldn't shoot down an eclectic ship which is basically just like a mercenary ship so it's a piece of poo uh, to be honest and so, and then I, then I also started looking and uh, the armor that it gives you, because there's a set of armor that it gives you, it is a set of armor that takes up the armor slot, the helmet slot, and the jetpack slot. And I wasn't really paying attention just using the armor and I, and I died a couple times in this one area and I thought, that's kind of weird, like I thought I was, I'm still pretty early in this new game plus, like what's, that, what's going on here? And then I started thinking, hang on, if I have a helmet that's 100 defense. And an armor that's 100 defense. And then a jetpack that I don't remember if it has defense or not. But even then, just the two. My other thing that I have on is like 150 or 150 or 175, something like that. It doesn't breach 200. And I'm like, I could just pick up like gray. Gray, like, you know, regular items that aren't, I don't know, they're not enchanted, but they're enhanced or whatever. With no effects. And have better armor. And I'd have two of them, too, because I'd have the armor and the helmets. And yes, like the effects on this armor are particularly good. I'm not dying every two seconds or anything. So I'm, and I like the look of it. But this is this is a similar thing that's happened in Oblivion, where in Oblivion they talk about. I mean, this is Oblivion spoilers, but at the end of Oblivion, um, they keep talking about how, you know, you're the hero of Cyrodiil and everyone's, you know, loving it. And they're like, we're going to make you a nice set of um. Imperial Legion styled dragon scale armor. I think is what it's called. It's gold and black and it looks like the Legion armor, the guards that are in the the Imperial city and, you know, come pick it up in 30 days or a week or whatever the heck it is from the Imperial city. You can go back, you pick it up and it's just not that good. Like it looks really nice. I really like the look of it, but it's just not that good. And it's the same thing in oblivion again, with the Knights of the nine items. And it's the same thing actually in kingdoms of Amalur, the friggin' pre-order items where it makes it look like Dragon Age and stuff, I picked it up and it was worse, and I just threw it on the floor.
1: Yeah, and well, it's like I mean, pre-ordered bonuses are only ever good at like level one. I Everyone
2: suppose that's there. true, but like when it when it gets talked up in lore, it's pretty disappointing. When it's like you are now super powerful because you have this sword, and it's like yeah, but this sword does thirty four damage and mine does thirty eight. So what <laughs> super powerful for who? <laughs> situationally
1: I legendary. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what the solution would be. Would would I prefer it dynamically change, like look at my current like equipped armor or whatever and then make it slightly better or should they just fix the timing of when you receive these items so that you're, you there's there's no possible way you could have found something better until you got to that point in the in the story or something. But that's hard to do on open world games where, like, you could run to like the, you could look up online. Where's the best, you know, item ever? Run to it and <laughs> grab it. Uh, I did that in Starfield. I I grabbed that that spacesuit, and I've not yet found a better spacesuit. You know, uh, I kind of regret doing it because it's like I find all these cool spacesuits. It's like, oh, I want to wear that, but I shouldn't because it's it's worse.
2: I told you you were gonna regret
1: it
0: too.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution should be there.
2: Well, okay. So there's kind of two ways I could think of this. One is a Bethesda method of difficulty, but you could apply it to scaling or apply it to items, which is scaling. So you could scale it of which a lot of games do do this as well. But I always think of Bethesda when, because Bethesda RPGs traditionally do scale or they used to, um, that is a way to do it. where when I find it, if I'm level 38, it's level 39 or it's level 40 and I'm able to still use it or whatever. There's no level requirement. That's just the level of the item. Yeah. Um, that's a way to do it. Another way to do it is is another Bethesda way to do it, which is a Morrowind method. Which is, it's a single player game. So if you find an item that is a fucking godly godly item, it's a godly item, and you will kill everyone that you hit, and you are overpowered. <laughs> and the thing is, though, is you found this. You went into a dungeon. You found it. Like I remember, I found a, a really nice set of gloves in a in a story driven mission. The story does not mention these items at all. I think there's books and stuff about them, though, in the game. I just looked behind a table, and they were just on the floor. And I was like, what the heck's that glowing? And in that game, you have to find a left and a right glove separately. So I found the left one, and I kept kind of scooting around the edge of the thing. And I think I found another one underneath some other relic or something. And I grabbed that, and I never got rid of those gloves. And those gloves made me wave, like, super powerful. And there's items, like, there's just there's just objectively godlike items in Morrowind or even if you don't have the skills to hit with those items even hitting one in ten that one's going to kill whatever whoever it is you're hitting so you can just miss nine times hit them on the tenth, kill them and it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not opposed to the Morrowind method which is yeah I went searching all these friggin citizens that live in the city are sitting around I don't know going and drinking in the tavern and complaining about how hard times are or whatever I went out there into the dirty dungeon and fought vampires and crap. Yeah. I came back. I'm all powerful. That's a fantasy game. You know? Yeah. That's how, like, the lore is where the boss is, like, some god of a person and, like, they're super powerful and crap. It's like, I also did the same sort of path as the boss and I also became godly like them.
0: I actually think that, uh, I mean, I have gotten, well, I have a love-hate relationship with the items in Baldur's Gate. Because I've been trained over many years of playing RPGs to want endless supply of items to just churn through, <laughs> right? And and it's like, I, I'm still wearing like the same armor I've worn forever in, in certain playthroughs of Baldur's Gate. But it makes it so much more special when you receive something, and you do slowly get better and better stuff as you go. And I'm sure once I finally get to Act 2, I've been stuck in Act 1 for so goddamn oh, long. man. But I'm I'm sure once I get to Act 2, I'm going to find better stuff to replace my current set of armor and and weapons. So Uh, fast, too. It feels very natural, actually, in Baldur's Gate. It feels like you're actually finding things of value when you do find them. Uh, So I think they're handling it pretty well.
1: I think we talked about this before, too, with, like, the uh, Tears of the Kingdom, or uh, Breath of the Wild slash, like, Elden Ring style, where Mm -hmm. there's every time you see any seemingly important or notable location, you always want to check it out, because there's certainly a chance that something useful there for you. Yeah, like every time you see a dungeon or whatever in Elden Ring, you're like, "Oh man, who knows what's at the end of this dungeon? It could be a really good ring, or it could be a good piece of armor or weapon for my particular build." Um, so yeah, it's, and I find it a little bit similar with Baldur's Gate. Like, there's there's even like, um, I've I've played the game so much and I've done so many uh different paths of different quests and stuff. <clears throat> and there are quests that I know, like. If I make this one de- decision to give this character like this item, and it's really valuable, um, you know, as a reward, they give you the option of two other equally valuable items. So it's like. I know that the item that I give them is pretty good for like any character. But if I trade them to this person and they finish the quest, I can get an item that's really particularly good for monks. Um, so that's kind of like interesting. But it's one of those things where if you didn't know that you could really easily miss a piece of gear that's really good for your particular class. And that sort of leads me to my other point about Baldur's Gate and the gear is that some classes are like so like um, flush for choice with items and equipment and things. Um, and to be fair, like there's half a dozen different ways you could play a fighter. There's like two ways you could play a wizard. So like almost anything for a wizard is going to be for a wizard. Like it, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what, what subclass you are like a wizard's a wizard's a wizard. You cast spells, your main priorities are your spell slots and, you know, maybe damage and utility options. And that's pretty much it. Like, um, that being said, I do like the way that f- certain items in Baldur's Gate are um, will, will give you, like, unique little features or bits or things that are not typically present in, like, tabletop 5th edition D&D. Like, getting temporary hit points, or, like, when you heal a creature, you heal a little bit too. Or just, like, things that are on rings and amulets and gloves and gauntlets or whatever that aren't... Um, typically in uh, the other game, just because, yeah, it's an RPG, it's a huge world, you need to have lots of different options, because you have to fully equip four characters. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of slots to fill up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, my main complaint with equipment is just that, like, for, like, monks, especially, and other, like, specialized classes that have, like, typically a pretty particular way to play them, there's not a lot of choice for different equipment to use. There's, like, I think one or two head pieces that are like basically designed with like monks in mind. I think there's like three gloves. I've only found one, maybe you could argue two like chest piece armor pieces for monks. Um, boots. I mean, there's lots of boots of different mobility options on them. So you could say that the vast majority of monks like clothing options are the boots, but yeah, it's like there's not a lot of weapon options. There's not a lot of armor options you could kind of get away with some different um, like rings and stuff, but they would be better served if it was a different, like, other subclasses that are available in D&D that just aren't in Baldur's Gate. So, like, if you play certain classes, you're going to be probably swapping your gear out a lot more frequently than other classes because it seems like there's, like, the one or two sets that are put into the game with, like, this class playstyle in mind. Um but I mean it is an open world RPG you can you can put whatever you want like you don't have to have best in slot items for everything for every one of your characters like play it the way you want to play it right mm-hmm. if you want to have a fighter who throws items and also healing potions at their allies to act as like some sort of um like utility support character you can kind of do it with rings and stuff <laughs> and like different equipment pieces that you can find so like there are things where you'll you'll get a lot of effects on characters like on heal and when you read it it sounds like oh like I need to specifically like cast a healing spell with one character on another character and then that character gets a buff but that that like on heal condition can come from anything it can come from a short rest it can come from like um walking into a particular like area effect that heals you like there's so many ways that a character can like get healed and they all within the logic of the game trigger those like on heal effects so there's some weird kind of counterintuitive ways that you can like finagle the mechanics in the game but anyway that's kind of a whole side conversation on its own but um To get back to the like actual topic at hand, I would say either do it the way that Matt mentioned where things just are legendary. If it's a single-player game, let the player be broken because that's kind mm-hmm. of the point.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or do it the way that I've seen actually like a couple of RPGs do it and actually also kind of like some D&D games um, just on the topic of it. Do it where... It's a piece of equipment that scales to you, no matter what level you are. So even if you get it early, it scales to your level. And then you could just kind of have it through the entire game. and It'll always scale with you like it levels up with you as you um, levels up with you as you play through the game. And then it's always just a little bit better than gear that you would otherwise have at that same level, which might sound boring. It's kind of like the um heirloom items in like World of Warcraft when you would like give your lower level characters gear that like leveled up with them through the whole game. So you could level up your 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 second or third or fourth characters um, to catch up to max level with your main character. And they would just always wear that same gear because it was just objectively better than everything else at the at that level, and it would scale with you. Um and it would give you more experience for wearing it. Um but at the same time, you could also do it where if it's like a thematic thing, like say you're playing like a like a paladin character or something and you get them this like holy sword that's supposed to be indicative of like their oath or whatever. And then as you go through like major story beats in the game or maybe you do major side quests or things that are related to your character backstory or whatever, if you have a key character moment um, or live up to a very particular like you make a really oath driven decision for this character, then it sort of, it manifests that, like, success in the weapon, and then the weapon kind of, like, gets a huge bump, or gets a new, a powerful new skill or something like that. So, not only does it, like, level up with you, and scales through the game that way, but it also um, gives you new stuff based on how you play the game. Like, you can even do it where, like, if you Almost to take a page out of like Fable Three, if you like murder a lot of innocent people with this sword, maybe it becomes like a very like murder driven sword and suddenly it's like it's it's uh better at getting critical hits, or it does more damage to targets who are bleeding, or just sort of these like permutations that you could add to the weapon based on your playstyle, based on the decisions that you've made for like your character story, et cetera, et cetera. There's a there's a million ways you could go with it, but yeah. I uh I'm of the of the camp where either you just make it busted overpowered because that's the point of it and if you want to just run there straight away you can do it and then that's your weapon for the whole game or make it scale with the player.
2: I like I like the Elden Ring and kind of the Baldur's Gate method where like it feels really rewarding to find something or you know it has a use somewhere like for mm-hmm. somebody even if I don't have a use for it I'm like oh like what is this for another character is this for another play type and like it kind of got to the point where like you and I, Tim, when we did our our we started like of like a not a new game plus, but we started um Seamless Co-op. So it was kind of our like kind of our new game plus because we beat the game on, on vanilla originally. Um when I like found an item, I would like Google it here and there. Or I would like look up a video and just kind of like watch the watch usually it's a super long guide, but <laughs> watch the guide on it just as I fall asleep or something. Cause it's like, oh, there's some, like, something something is with this item, whereas like it, it, w- w- one thing that's really unfortunate, it's not really like lore legendary, but in something like an Elder, elder or um, like Starfield, I find legendary items all the time. I look at them, they're garbage, I throw them on the floor. You know, I don't, I don't even take them. They're not even worth taking, and it's like, there's not that, like, rewarding bit of it. Um, didn't Fable have like a really, like, you didn't really pick up a lot of garbage, right? I don't really remember. Fable 2? Fable two
1: i'm not so sure fable one definitely had like literally legendary item like weapons that were just objectively the best for their weapon type and uh some are better than others because you would like it's a very linear game so you would find certain ones uh in the early game and you find certain ones in the later game but they were they would usually have like some sort of special effect or like special um augment on them that would give them a, you know, this one's got piercing damage, or this one does fire damage, or, you know, whatever. Um and uh yeah, Fable 2, I, I can't remember, but yeah, the the weapons in they're like the the legendary stuff in those games literally was legendary. Like it was objectively the best of its kind.
2: Because I remember I remember there was like the there's like a lot of different types of guns and and I had like the one type of gun that had almost like the Gatling gun. It was like a rifle but it was like the Gatling gun with the multiple barrels around around like a formed like a tube kind of. And I remember like going into a demon door and finding like a really nice one. I don't remember if it was like gold or diamond encrusted or whatever, but it was like, "Okay, cool, like this is and then if I ever want to get get this play this type of gun character again, this is where I go to get the gun cuz like this is where it's buried type thing." You know, instead of me being like, well, I better open up another locker. Oh, that's a piece of shit, Legendary. Just toss that <laughs> over the shoulder. And like Diablo does the same thing. It's just like, it's it's ridiculous.
0: That's what Marty didn't like about Diablo was the constant having to go back to, to, to town and get rid of all your crap. The constant churning through items.
1: Yeah, it's a little too like MMO- time mm-hmm. wasty grindy to me like JRPG style like oh you have to put in 60 hours of this one mechanic and then it becomes viable and it's like yeah but what's the fun in that though like why do I have to <laughs> wait 60 hours before <laughs> the mechanic becomes fun it should be fun right off the bat really all right well that's that's it for the query corner question
0: and uh, we'll move on to what we're playing uh, Matt me what have you been playing
2: I've uh, been uh, continuing my Starfield new game plus Uh, doing a little bit of that. Um, Starting to realize that the gear that they gave me is not the greatest, which is a little unfortunate. Um, I'm just trying to get myself situated with this game. I know that sounds weird because I've beaten it, but I just kind of like beat it with what I had on me. I didn't really like look into it and everything. So like what I've been, what I've been doing now that I've beaten the game is I'm not looking up side quest spoilers, but I'm looking up guides like, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? What can I do without posts? Because I was talking with a friend yesterday, and one of the biggest problems with Starfield is is that everything takes a big investment. So it'll be like, oh, like I want to um, put a better mod on my gun. Well, I have to research that at the research bench. I have to have the skill for it as well. I don't know if you need that for the research, but you have to have the skill. Then you have to actually have the components and you have to put it on the gun. And sometimes the skill is is down the tree. So you have to invest like five or six points into this type of tree to then get to there. And then every single rank, you have to do a challenge. So it's like, then I have to do a challenge associated with it in order to unlock the next rank. I have to level up and then spend that point. And that's only for just guns. There's also um, research for, I think there's, uh, well, there is outposts. There's research for your suit, your space suit. You're able to like mod your space suits, things like that. Um, I don't know if there's like research for food and stuff like that, recipes, like probably, but there's there's a few other categories. And so I have never I never touched this. Like it wasn't anything I needed to touch. I had a really, really basic um, outpost that was making adaptive frames just to sort of experience it. And I was doing one of the things that people actually um, give a lot of like say that you should do is try to find areas with multiple resources. I always did that because I was like, I don't want to build four outposts. I'll just want to build one. So I at least was doing that. So now I'm just kind of getting associated with like affiliated with the game and understanding you know what what's a good gun, what's a bad gun, what's good armor, what's bad armor and not just sort of existing in this world I'm actually like learning what's going on a little bit. Um so that's been kind of nice. I don't know how long I'm going to stick with it. Like I I always have fun with it when I go back to it, but again it's like I don't have a presence in this world not yet. I have a presence in Elder Scrolls and in Fallout and so to learn this whole galaxy and to learn all the ins and outs of it and to learn like what guns are good and what guns are bad and what factions are good and bad and stuff like that, if it's not immediately obvious, it's sort of a pain. Um, so I'm indifferent on Starfield. Um, I'm enjoying myself. Um, I like the mechanic of the new game plus, but I still need to sort of make the save file mine, if that makes sense. Um, but other than that, I've been doing... <laughs> bullet storm full clip edition game sucks. I beat it. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing it last night. We, we like you and I played some Fortnite Ryan and I booted it up and it was like, it was like chapter six and I was like, okay, I'm looking this up. And it was like, there's, it's like uh you're on uh, or act six. Sorry. It's like, there's, there's seven acts. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm beating this tonight. I don't never want to see this game again. So I just, <laughs> I just played it to the end. Um, that game I think would have been hilarious if I was in high school. There they, they just say shit all the time. Like they'll get out and be like, come on, you cum covered rim job and shit like that all the time. Like, like constantly. Like they just constantly say shit like that. It's like it's funny here and there, but it's like also it's like you're saying it every literally every <laughs> sentence. So it's like you're trying too hard. I don't know. Um and, yeah, it, the, and the game?
1: Hmm? The characters that like the games that have characters that are like constantly trying to like quip are so aggravating Mm -hmm. like like I feel like that's part of the reason why like the Saints Row game failed so hard is because all of the characters like that the Saints Row reboot they were all so unlikable like Mm that none of them had any redeeming qualities they weren't they weren't likable they were it felt like teenagers in high school like a group of teenagers in high school that were all trying to be the class clown and like (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't really work when you're all like competing for that position you know and it's like they they all they're they're trying to like be written in this way that they have like this rapport with each other but the player is left out of that dynamic so you're just sort of like watching these interactions happen without a any context or be like it's just not an appropriate like action for the situation you know you're all anyway. trying to be Tony Stark yeah, yeah. A world with six Tony Starks all yeah. trying to compete would oh. to be Tony Stark. Like that's basically but what aren't these as games good as feel Tony like, Stark. You know, <laughs> like Borderlands, I felt did it like okay because they weren't constantly trying to do it. Like there wasn't equipped for everything. Well, they had normal characters too. Like like um,
0: Lilith was like just a normal serious character.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You you have to have that dynamic. You have to yeah. have the the straight the straight man, and you have to have the goofy and like or like the you know. Silent but serious, or or, you know, like it takes all types. You know, it's also getting the right actor and the right, oh, absolutely uh, script. Yeah, you know, that that was the problem with like with Saints Row particularly was the writing. It was it was written so so poorly. But just like even if you have a a game where it's a single protagonist and they're written really badly and they're trying to be that like. Oh, I'm Deadpool. I'm always like breaking the fourth wall about how goofy the situation is, or whatever. Like, or just trying to be the comedic relief, constantly, is so grating. Like, you look at at the game like Forspoken, which is Mm. not a well written game. You look at Marvel's (laughs) Avengers, like the main story of it, where you play as Kamala Khan, who is constantly just quipping, commenting on everything. I also I even saw it, I haven't played the game so I don't know what to the extent that it is but also with like Dead Island 2, like the characters are quipping over everything and it's like you can you can just not react you can just not say anything and I actually really appreciate in games where they give you a slider for how often you want to hear your character react to things
3: <laughs> because I
1: always put it down to not off but minimal because it's like stop I don't. It's don't talk this much, and when you do, it's not written that well. So, like, just uh, I wonder
0: if um a, a naughty dog is to blame for having someone like Nathan Drake be like a quippy kind of guy, and you know, but they they had good scripts and a good actor.
1: Well, the so tale is and, all and it the it time, works. right? Like, there's always been main there characters seems to be who are quippy. Influx. Like the Spider-Man movies are are kind of old now, but Spider-Man's always quipping at, at the characters. It's like you say.
0: It's, it's, it's a, a good, actor, it's good yeah. writing, yeah. Um, but there seems to be, you know, a lot more in video games where they try this.
2: I think they they they're like scared of dead air on a game. Like I think I feel like some devs are like afraid of like not having somebody talk and just having like you know the sound effects of like you playing or shooting or like attacking or whatever. Um, it's almost like they have to fill the air. Ryan, like you've played Starfield, the friggin' followers drive me. Friggin' nuts! Every time you lose something, better take anything of value there. Why are you picking all that stuff up? Well, you better pick things. It's like I don't mean to sound rude, but shut up, Sarah, but or is- shut up, Sam Co. Sam Co. drives me
0: nuts. This is where I think the Uncharted thing uh, comes into play because Uncharted did that, but it, it was it was fun. Um, but if you just if it, but most of it isn't meaningless in Uncharted. You know it uh, it works pretty well, but in something like Starfield, yeah, I don't need my companion commenting every time i open up a
2: box every and it's every time it's every yeah. time or every other time i i having only played uncharted on the vita which is why i can't like directly comment i guess on uncharted i only played a little bit of uncharted on the vita i definitely get get what you mean like he's you know making funny things and whatever but there's pauses it's, in it like yeah. he, when he climbs down the wall he doesn't have to make a comment about like, ooh, this is slippery, and then like, if it was Bulletstorm, he'd be like, this is slippery, just like jizz, you know, it's ridiculous,
0: but like his his delivery is so natural, though, in the Uncharted games, I find like, yes. it, it sounds like he would genuinely say that in that time, whereas when it's like, you know oh, we're gonna have to send that back to the ship, it's just like, it's like I recorded the, the VO,
3: or <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah
2: it's I listened to a podcast where they were describing how much they liked the followers saying that. And like, this is the first time where I'm like, guys, like I do not like these followers in Starfield. They talk way too much. It's, it's, it's insane. It's like, please, please stop talking. Mm. The only person that I ever had the problem with in fallout four was that um super mutant that wanted to learn oh. about the, the, the milk <laughs> of human kindness. And uh I, um <laughs> I basically worked with him until the middle of um, until, until I got his perk, and then that's like the end of your relationship with him. And then I just told him to wait there in the middle of Boston. I don't even know where he is, and I just took off. <laughs> I don't Aww. know where he is. <laughs> Say with Sam Cole, wait here. It's some abandoned moon. He's like, you got it, and I just hop off of, the, off of the ship and we just take right off. Don't need to don't need to hear from Sam Cole anymore. That's horrible. I oh God, it's like it's i playing the game right now. I have no followers and it really sucks not having somebody to like dump inventory space on. But at the same time, it's like, man, pretty nice not having someone ask me why I'm picking stuff up. Cause sometimes I accidentally pick stuff up and I don't need to be reminded that I accidentally pick stuff up. Like I know, I know I <laughs> hit a accidentally like let's, let's relax a little bit. Um, but anyway, that's bullet storm. Also the game ends on a cliffhanger and there's no sequel. So that's good. Um, <laughs> I should have played it when it came out. Should have uh, bought several copies I probably would have loved it in high school, you know, like just swearing and acting like an idiot. Yeah, like probably would have loved it in high school. Although isn't there um, a VR version coming out?
0: Isn't this game still being like milked for, for whatever money they can get out
2: of it? God, I hope I hope there's a VR version for the people that love it because some people love it, but good Lord. All right, Tim, um, what, are you,
0: what are you playing? Oh, sorry, Matt, do you, you have more?
2: Well, I was just going to say uh, I also I just did a bunch of War Thunder and that's been my week. Oh, wow. <laughs> Tim? Um, I can't remember if I mentioned it last
1: week, but I have been playing uh, aside from Baldur's Gate, obviously, in every like just with every opportunity and every person I can find to play with. Um, <laughs> playing Dredge on the on the PS5, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which if you're not familiar with it, it's like a uh, it's like a game where you play as like a fisherman in a fishing boat, and you kind of go around between different islands, and you're like selling your fish that you catch and stuff. And there's a little like cooktime event mini games to do the fishing, and different fish have different Mini games to fish them and stuff. Um, but there's this sort of, there's this constant underlying, like, eldritch horror vibe to it, where there's, like, a sanity meter, and if you go out fishing at night, like, you start to, like, panic, and then you start to see things that may or may not be there, and then the more panicked you are, the more they manifest, and then you've got this, like, level of progression as well, where you get more money, so you can upgrade different parts of your ship, and you go and you can salvage different scrap from other shipwrecks, or you can dredge things off like the surface or from different uh, dredge, dredge, different parts of the environment. And then you can like upgrade your ship and get different mechanics unlocked and things. It's a little bit more grindy than I thought it was going to be. Um, and sometimes the gameplay mechanics can be a little frustrating. But overall, for just a game to kind of, by and large, just kind of shut your brain off and just play it a little bit, um it's pretty good it would be a really good switch game or like steam deck game um because you know you could just play it little bits at a time and um it would be it would make for good uh it would make for good uh short burst type thing that being said i did play it like yesterday the day before for like three hours straight um and accomplished quite a bit or at least it felt like i accomplished quite a bit but then when i kind of like sat down and thought about it afterwards i was like. I didn't really gain that much like in the context of the game. I did a lot, but overall, like I didn't make that much progress. (laughs) So it's a little, it's a little bit grindy in that sense, but you almost don't even notice it. So, you know, where you are, like, is there like a clear path to the credits kind of thing? Yeah, kind of, I would say there's a map that has different clusters of islands and you sort of like, you start in the center and then, quests and side quests start to lead you in one particular direction and then you do that and you go back to the center area and then you kind of go to the next area and you kind of go back to the center area um you can go anywhere right off the bat um but you are limited by um being able to like fish things or like interact with certain things until you have more upgraded gear obviously Mm -hmm. um so it, it kind of like limits you in that regard where like you can't go to this group of islands right away and then be able to fish all the stuff because you only have like basic fishing rods at the beginning and you don't have like nets and you don't have you know deep sea um like uh hoists and and things like that so um you won't really be able to interact with anything there if you don't have the uh kind of like the basic version of everything um which you get by playing through the game for the first couple of hours so like um, it's not really open in that sense that you could just kind of go anywhere and do things in any order, but it is open in the sense that like you could just grind in the first couple of areas to get like all the stuff and then kind of do the other islands in like any order you want. Probably. Um, I don't really know. Cause I haven't been to all of them yet. I'm just sort of trying to follow the like organic flow of the game and it's uh it's it's served me well so far but like I like the I like the characters in it it's very like anytime you interact with NPCs it's pretty limited and it's kind of like graphic novel style where they just sort of pop up a picture of them and then they have like a little text box um but there's lots of little like things you can do like I just today I found some guy that was like stranded on an island that I there's like no indication that he's there aside from some sticks on a beach that say SOS but it's kind of small so you can go up to that and then you just like Hit X to interact, and then it pulls you into this conversation with this guy. So that was kind of cool. cool. Um, but yeah, like the you if you have any interest in it from like hearing me talking about it, like I would look up the trailer for it because it's really like I was so hooked as soon as I saw this first trailer. It's done by Team Seventeen, which have done a lot of pretty successful like smaller titles, uh, little indie games. Um, they're the Goose Game people, I. Don't know. They did. Um. Uh. Overcooked. I know okay. is a big one. Um. I think they also did Death's Door. Um. Or no, that's that's Devolver Digital. Um. They've published. Uh, let's see here: The Messia, Hell Let Loose, Overcooked, Overcooked Two um hello loose. loose jesus the night witch uh ship of fools moving out uh greek memories of azer uh here's some other stuff anyway um lots of lots of like kind of smaller titles and then some things that kind of popped off like overcooked obviously um but yeah very uh very solid game. I don't think it's gonna be very long. Like I'm pretty sure it's a pretty easy platinum, probably like ten or fifteen hours of gameplay. Oh. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, you get sucked into it. It's it's really cool. I'm a really big fan of the like Eldritch horror vibe. Um, just the way that they sort of. I really like when when game mechanics, uh, like horror horror elements of a game, aren't just like oh this is the story that's supposed to be scary. It's like elements of the game that actually scare you because of like the consequences kind of thing mm. or just the way that things are presented. Like I can't remember what it, what the f- exact phobia is called, but the people who are like very afraid of deep water um, is like, you probably shouldn't play this game if you have oh, it. Oh shit. <laughs> really? Be- because it's uh You'll just be out in the ocean and they're like, trying to get back to like the lighthouse and it's raining and the seas are like churning and you'll see like lightning striking and your screens going all wobbly because you're panicking because you're at maximum oh. like insanity. And you're just like, I just need to get back and sleep and like sleep off my panic. And then like islands are starting to manifest in front of you because you're going insane and you can actually hit those things and damage your ship. And then you'll just see like a whale like come up out of the water and then like ah. splash over, and you're just like, I should probably just put this game down. Like this is this is a lot for right now. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a game, if a person that gets stressed out by game things like that easily, I would say maybe give it a pass. But um it's it's really it's really immersive like that. It's really uh it sucks you in. Cool.
2: Is there is there like a I don't want to say a timer, but It kind of sounds like the crazy aspect of it. Are you going insane? It's kind of like don't starve, but don't starve kind of had that timer. And that was like the food and the nourishment timer and the winter timer and everything. Is there that at all? Like, oh, you better fish this much before winter or anything like that? No, no, there's
1: no time load. It's, It's way more manageable than that. The only thing you have to like manage is like your panic meter, which basically only goes down when you are out on the water at night and the day night cycle is really short it's like 2 minutes day 2 minutes night kind of thing but you do spend a lot of time like in ports and stuff and like if you're not moving or you're in a port or whatever you're not actively doing anything time doesn't pass time only passes when you're moving out on the water or when you're like fishing something up actively and that's it okay but it's fun it's a, it's a fun little like gameplay loop there's cool like story elements the characters stories are kind of interesting um but it's a little bit like fetch questy like if you played MMOs and it's like go here talk to this guy go back yeah. talk to this guy oh this guy's mad at this other guy go back to this guy again say that the other guy's mad at him okay well he must have like clean up his act okay go find these materials okay bring him back to the first guy okay now bring him to the second guy okay now the second guy's happy with the first guy now take the second guy on your ship take so him back he's... across the island to the first guy okay now they're together again now your quest is done and all that takes like you know a half hour to do because there's so much like back and forth and back and forth in your ship
2: right um Sounds like a, I mean, this is a really yeah. weird comparison, but it sounds like sounds like a fishing version of Herbs The Sims in the City on DS.
1: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of little tasks. It's a lot of little tasks like that, yeah. Is that it? But that's it, yeah. Uh, I was going to say,
2: where's
0: that Baldur's Gate in there? <laughs> me, it's just been Baldur's Gate 2. What? Baldur's Gate 3, I should say. Oh, Baldur's Gate I, Two is I, quite old. Is it? Is it? I kind of have an interest in going back to the other
1: ones. Is it worth it at all, or no? They're so old, right? Uh, they're like twenty years old. I think. Yeah, I don't have much experience uh, with two. The la- the first and last time that I played Baldur's Gate Two was more than ten years ago, uh, when I was going to college. And one of the guys in the class, I like went to hang out with him at his place after one of our classes and he had it on his PS2, original Xbox maybe. And uh, he was like, oh, like, yeah, if you like RPGs, if you played, you know, uh, Skyrim or Oblivion or whatever, he was like, maybe you might like this one. It's like, but it's more like an old school RPG. Mm. And we played it for like two hours maybe. And I don't, thing. At the time I didn't have like the context of like D&D yeah. or anything either or like just classic RPG systems. So it was all very overwhelming and I don't remember like almost anything about mm. it from the like 2 hours that we played it. So
0: I bought them pretty cheap and uh I was just interested to see how it would how
1: it would be, but
0: I don't I'm not a person who can play old games though, so <laughs> it probably won't happen.
1: Wait, you bought them? But mm. you don't know anything about them and you're not going to play them? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. Yeah, Wait, why did right. you
0: buy them then? Because they were like cheap. It was like a couple bucks or something like that. I mean, I was, like, so I was, like, is like maybe... so is
2: candy.
1: You didn't you don't buy every bit of candy you see. Well, oh, well, I do.
3: Um,
1: <laughs> anyway. okay. But do you eat the candy? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So there you go. You bought it because you're
0: gonna use it. You didn't buy because it, <laughs> yeah. it was cheap. Actually, you know you want to hear something awesome? I uh, got a package of um, uh, fuzzy peaches, and inside was a giant sour patch kit. What the hell? Amongst the fuzzy peaches, there was, was, it, one, was one big Sour Patch kid. Yeah, it must have fell in 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 somewhere in the factory or something. But anyway, that's it. Um, so, Tim, where can people see
1: you stream? Streaming the Dark Urge playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3 at twitch.tv slash the sidetrack. Um, it's getting pretty nuts. We're like probably halfway through the story, I would say. Like a little more than halfway through Act 2 um some pretty crazy shit has gone down some things that i haven't actually ever really seen anybody talk about which is kind of cool so like i'm seeing some even though i'm like so in the sphere of this game for the last couple of months um i've managed to avoid some of these like spoilers i guess for like dark urge stuff so that's really cool um Playing a character who seems to be very like friendly, helpful on the surface, but then anytime we're given a like really dark, darker option, uh, I always take it. Gaslight and gatekeep is the name of the game. And uh that's a that's a I been doing it's a it's honestly it's been a really fun character to play. It's a little bit more interesting than just like the the you know um goody two shoes hero character. Excuse that, me. That's what I, I always of, play. That's what I did for my first playthrough. And so now I'm, uh, I'm being point. a little more insidious than that, um, but yeah, they're both they're both fun in their own way. I will say I am missing like a lot of the help that characters give you when you like help them or keep them around kind of thing, which I'm not doing so much with the Dark Urge. I am missing some of those benefits, but um, <laughs> I feel like when they were designing the game, they had they wanted to be like they've got to sacrifice a lot if they want to like lean into this like evil character. So let's make the the things that they get really awesome to like compensate that. So yeah, there's some cool stuff. I'm really interested to see the dynamic uh, going into the third act with some, with some characters.
2: Slightly off topic, but in, I was an evil character in Starfield and my replay, I was like, I'll do, I'll be good. And yesterday or maybe the day before when I was playing it, I sat in a civilian ship for five, uh, for a real time, five minutes being like, fuck, this is a pretty nice ship. And I was just by their cockpit, and then their like captain came up to me and they, they didn't have any armor. And I was like, all right, and I just fucking killed everybody oh, on board. And told oh. their ship. It was uh yeah, so I've had a had a bit of a relapse. Horrible. It's, it's it's easy to be the Dark Urge character once you've done it once. I'm sure Tim will find that in other games now. <laughs> I'm usually
1: hard. uh I'm usually the the kind of person that can't uh take the evil option in games because I feel too bad for the characters. So uh the problem with Baldur's Gate is that like it's just written so well and like a lot of like and the the progression of like conversations and things almost no matter what vibe you take with uh with the character, it's just like it's it's satisfying. Like normally you play a game like Oblivion or Sky or whatever, and if you're an evil character, it's like everyone just kinda hates you and it's really easy to just have everyone hate you and then it's like, wow, this sucks. But like <laughs> when you're an evil character in a well-written game, there's like other evil characters that you can like align yourself with and then you can like benefit from each other's like positions and abilities and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's very cool. It's very well done. It's definitely a game where it's like, it's been as satisfying to play an evil character as a good one because like the choices that you can make actually matter and change things and stuff. It's very cool.
2: You mean the oblivion characters frowning at you in mid conversation is not enough to convince you that, You are truly an evil character. Yep. (laughs) At the time, though, it was great. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, this person hates me. This is wild. Like, Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Did you say where you were streaming? Yes, sir. Twitch.tv slash the sidetrack. We're at twitch.tv slash day one patch media. Wednesdays, 830 or 9. 9 p.m. Eastern. And then back Mondays, sometimes. On Mondays. Mac Mondays
1: sometimes when yeah. Ryan Whenever sees I if his like computer it. will run a game on his Mac. Yep. Is gaming on Mac possible? Oh yeah, the game
0: runs fine. Let's it's it's the streaming part that uh, that uh, <laughs> seems to be difficult.
1: That's what you should change the going live notification to. Not <laughs> is gaming on Mac possible. You should make it is streaming a game on Mac yeah. possible. Yeah, uh, that's very difficult. Alright, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.